back to baseball coming up in our final hour. But if you missed it, because I know most listeners don't hang out with us for all four hours. Those of you who do, you are P1s. You are so loyal. And I do love the fact that many of you check in, not just with the audio, but also you check in on social media as well. We're getting answers to our question already. (laughs) Including this response on Twitter, almost 60 And I'll use these three emojis forever. And then this listener who's almost 60 gives us a list of, I don't know, another dozen plus emojis that he uses on a fairly regular basis. He calls them honorable mention. (laughs) A dozen honorable mentions. Jay, are you going to be retweeting? Oh, you are. This is fantastic. Okay, so the question for tonight Because it's fun and I do not stick to sports. If that's what you're about, there's a bazillion podcasts. And I do mean that quite literally. A bazillion podcasts you can listen to if all you want to talk about is sports. And even a particular sport. They've got podcasts for that too. We like to be human beings. (laughs) We have multi-dimensions to us and to our show. And when I heard this report on the radio... Actually, it might have been on TV about the emojis that young people think make you look old and out of touch. I I said, that's right in our wheelhouse. Absolutely. We're going to use that. (laughs) So the question for tonight is based on this study of thousands of Gen Zers, which is age 16 to 29, according to the people that know. Uh, There are 10 emojis, including the thumbs up emoji and the okay sign emoji, the red heart emoji, the crying so loud emoji. Jay and I, we use the laughing out loud or laughing so hard you're crying emoji a lot. So I'm glad that's not on the list. Uh, There are some emojis I've never used at all, but I can't understand. I thought that like little kids love poop. So I don't get why the poop emoji makes you look old and out of touch. I don't get that either. What the laughing? What's wrong with laughing? I don't understand. So much wrong with laughing. I I guess. (laughs) It seems. Laughing is a lost art. Did you know? So this is our show question for tonight. And of course, we'll take your answers all the way through Thursday. I I generally wake up. And and when I spend my time on social media the following afternoon, uh, it's clear that people have been checking out our sites and have been responding even once the show was done. So what are your top three emojis? Meaning the ones that you use the most. Which three emojis do you use the most? Not your favorites. Which ones do you use the most? And it obviously doesn't work if you're not honest. So which emojis? And I, there's no judgment here. I don't know how old you are. I don't care how old you are. You don't know how old I am. You don't care how old I am. Actually, some of you are far too curious about that. It doesn't matter. Uh, th- this is just an exercise in emojis. So either on Twitter, A-Law Radio, or our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. We want to know top three emojis among After Hours listeners. We're live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance yours, Rocket Mortgage can help you get there. For home loan solutions that fit your life, Rocket can. couple of things I want to talk about in this segment, and then Gary, I will get to your call here momentarily. But in addition to... What has been a lot of criticism and conversation around Draymond Green punching a teammate in practice. So again, internally, in my opinion, should be handled internally. I'm glad the Warriors are handling it internally, though they have certainly spoken out about it a little bit. I do hear there is a very 
vigorous investigation to try to figure out who leaked that video. I can imagine if they find out who that person is, that person will be fired. If it's me, if I'm Bob Myers, if I'm Steve Kerr, if I'm the players, I demand that person gets fired. There's only so many people that have access to that video. It's a, I mean, basketball teams and and front offices are relatively small groups. Um, And so somebody had to leak it from internal. And that would make me so angry. It's bad enough that it happened and you have to deal with it. And that here you are on the eve of a season where you're supposed to be defending your title, but then to have to try to figure out who was, in my opinion, disloyal and sold it for money, clearly. TMZ pays for this kind of stuff. I'm sure that employee didn't give it to TMZ out of the goodness of his or her heart. No, it was to make money because they knew it would be juicy. It's Draymond Green. That's despicable, in my opinion. But even as we're talking about that, you remember... This wasn't an internal video. It was a video that went viral from Monday Night Football when Devontae Adams shoved a cameraman. Come to find out, I, I know his name is out there. I'm not going to use his name. It doesn't really matter. But he's not only filed a police report, but Devontae Adams is now facing charges, which I'm stunned by. I definitely was not expecting this. It's just that the video's been out there a million ways to Sunday. There's a ton of different angles from people who were standing nearby, from the cameras that were actually filming the game and, you know, were were part of the broadcast. And I believe I read that he was a freelance photographer for Monday Night Football. He was there. Uh, he had been hired by ESPN to work as a freelance photographer uh, on Monday Night Football. And so... As he and Devontae Adams occupy the same space, uh, Devontae is frustrated by the way the game ended. We know that. He threw his helmet. He was angry. He shoved this media worker to the ground, and he's now been charged with misdemeanor assault, which I I guess I didn't think it would get to that point. I was uh, He did apologize. I was hoping that he would apologize and that maybe he would uh, speak to the guy directly and that it could kind of end there. But he's been cited for an intentional overt act that inflicted bodily injury. Okay, I'm not the guy who got knocked over, but it didn't look like a, the type of hit that would, or shove, I should say, that would inflict bodily injury. But according to the cameraman, he suffered whiplash, a headache, and a possible minor concussion from the incident. And so now Devontae has to be in court in Kansas City coming up in a month. Aside from all of that, the NFL is in fact conducting an investigation. And it's expected. And I, I, the fact that he did it on the field or right off the field and the fact that he did it in plain view of everyone, I'm not really sure that the Raiders have the option of handling this internally. So we're not talking about, you know, Draymond Green and Jordan Poole and the Warriors in a closed practice. We're talking about on one of the biggest stages in sports. It's the only game in town. Uh, it was... It was right after the game ended, so the cameras are still rolling, and there are so many different angles of this. So I'm not sure that the Raiders have the option of being able to handle this internally, especially since the cameraman wasn't part of their franchise. Um, Josh McDaniels says he doesn't really know how this is going to play out, but but sticking with his wide receiver.
I don't know that in terms of like what, what may or may not come. Um, I'm aware of what I'm aware of at this point, which is uh, honestly isn't too, too much. I, I mean, I know what happened and, and those kind of things. Uh, I've spoken to Devante. I mean, I support Devante wholeheartedly as a human being, as a person. He's a great guy. Um, I know that was an unfortunate situation. We obviously don't want any of our guys to be doing anything like that. He knows that. He's very well aware of that. But I know the person. Um, I don't think there was any, you know, intent behind it on his his part. Um, but whatever the, you know, whatever they ask of us, whatever they need from us, obviously we'll comply. And um, you know, but we're, you know, we're we're kind of in a. I'm not sure exactly where we're at at this moment, but we're kind of wait and see at this point. Right, so two separate incidents. The difference, of course, is that one was between teammates, another involved a media worker. And I said this right after the game or right after I saw it. I think so highly of Devontae. I don't believe this is who he is. Uh, Aaron Rodgers raves about him. Derek Carr raves about him. People who work with him and play with him speak so highly of him. And he doesn't have anything like this in his past. But it doesn't absolve him of responsibility. Unfortunately, it was a really bad moment. What did Ron Rivera say on, was it Tuesday when he was like, bleep, I had a bad day. Right? So he, exactly. Right. So Ron, just if you hadn't heard this, Ron Rivera, he was asked about the difference between the winning teams in the NFC East and his team, which is the commanders who are one and four. I spoke to my team this morning. You know, we, we I basically told them that I said some things that were misconstrued. I didn't present it properly, and that's on me. So I took accountability, told the guys that, uh, you know, I should know better, and uh, shit, I had a bad day. Yeah, well, Devontae, bleep, he had a bad day. And by the way, uh, Ron Rivera's answer was quarterback. <laughs> I feel like it's made the rounds by now. It was the one word that resonated around the entire NFL. He had to apologize to his own player, Carson Wentz. Even if he does feel that way, you do not say that publicly and embarrass your damn quarterback. How does that help your team get better, right? Like, even if you do think everything in the entire world is Carson Wentz's fault, you cannot say that. You're undermining your own offense. You're, in fact, telling the rest of your offense that Carson Wentz is not to be followed or not the right leader or isn't a winner. That's brutal. So, Ron Rivera said, bleep, I had a bad day. Well, so did Devontae Adams. And I think if we're honest, all of us can remember a time when we had a really bad day and we took it out on other people. Wasn't their fault. You hope you didn't commit assault or say something you can't take back. But I've certainly, I've never committed assault. But I've certainly said things that I wish I could take back. And once they're out there, you just can't. So Devontae had a really bad day. Just, I was hoping it wasn't going to come to this. But yeah, one bad moment, and now not only is he facing charges, misdemeanor assault charges, which I hope will either get dropped or resolved, but he's also potentially facing a suspension. It seems like the NFL is pretty serious about this because why? The NFL hates being embarrassed. The NFL hates having its on-field product upstaged by an off-field incident. And even though this was just off the field, the league hates this. It's okay, right, if the league embarrasses itself with its own policies, but if a player does it, oh, watch out. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Let's talk to Gary, who's in California. Gary, welcome to After Hours. Hey, Amy, just a personal note. Uh, I used to work nights, too, and I know how difficult it is to 
sleep in the daytime. So <laughs> my sympathies are with you when you talk about trying to get your rest in the daytime because yeah. I, I fully understand that. Well, I appreciate that. You don't have to feel sorry for me, though, because I did. Ch- I have chosen to stay on this shift for 10 years. So. <laughs> oh, I know. I, I know. But it, it, it is difficult. And frankly, I worked nights for many, many years, and I still have issues trying to get a full night's sleep. So <laughs> so uh, I, I feel your pain. But Thank get you. to the, the Draymond thing, um, you know, Amy, we've, we've watched this show, and it's basically been a show from Draymond for many, many years, and he's, he has a terrible temper. And, and, you know, he's threatened Kerr uh, with bodily harm. He basically uh, facilitated the exit of KD out of there with his temper. And and now he's punched a teammate. And, frankly, if he'd have been on the streets and this was caught on video, uh, Draymond would be arrested for assault. So um, that, that being said, the Warriors are all about winning, and they're handling this in a manner which is conducive to uh, you know pursuing those goals. And we love Joe Lacob because he's, he's basically given the Bay Area – you know, this great culture and four titles. And uh, so we're happy about that. But I'm not happy about the way they're trying to enable Draymond um, just for the sake of winning. And uh, so, you know, that's kind of kind of my take on it. And uh, I appreciate what you said, but I'm not happy with Draymond at all about any of this. Well, I don't think they are either. And I think according to the reports and the, the stories that I've read, if not for the leadership of Steph Curry, this could have gone horribly off the rails. It's not like Jordan Poole is thrilled with it. It's not like he's ready to forgive and forget. No, this has really caused a major issue. But I go back to the fact that I still believe it should be internal. I don't want every single conflict I have with a coworker to become public. I don't think that everyone needs to know, especially in this day and age where we are all about uh, the viral videos, right? And so I still say that the person who leaked this should be fired. You have no business outing that to the public because all it does is make it worse. And if you work for the organization, shouldn't you your first responsibility be to the organization? Um, I mean, I, shoot, if, I'll remember it once we hang up, but there was a situation recently where something was leaked and the company was determined uh, that the second they found out that that they were going to fire that employee, I'll, I'll remember here as I think about it. But I mean, that's my problem with it. I'm not saying Draymond is in the right, but I still say nothing's to be gained by this becoming a huge story publicly. And so whoever did sell that video to TMZ, A, was looking to make a buck, B, wanted to turn this into a big brouhaha, and C, only hurt the Warriors. Right. And I'm not none of that absolves Draymond Green, but it only hurt the Warriors. It only made life more difficult for them. It doesn't make like difficult for anybody else. Right. But what if he just seriously injured Jordan Poole? Uh, and then you didn't have the video to back this up. So then what would be the take? Well, they had the video. The, I mean, the, the Warriors right. had the video. It did not need right. to be sold to TMZ. Well, yeah, that's that's a whole other issue. We don't know who did that, and uh, I'm not for that. But I, I'm. We saw another side of Draymond that this guy has got some issues emotionally, Amy, and and I was hoping that they would give him some significant time off just to get his mind right, you know. And uh, no, they're gonna we're gonna go forward with this. He's back at practice uh, tomorrow. He's gonna play in the opener, and probably play Friday night, and. Uh, here we go, but we're just waiting for the next incident to happen, Amy. So, you know, that's basically where we're at with this. Again, but I don't think it should be a we. That's my point, Gary. Uh, this has nothing to do with Draymond, and uh, he may very well have ruined his relationships with teammates. I mean, Jordan Poole was such a great addition. They do not win the championship without Jordan. Uh, they're supposed to be 
flying high and on cloud nine still getting to be the defending champions again. So Draymond screwed up and it likely did affect the trust with his teammates and certainly his relationship with Jordan. However, there should be no we. We should not know anything about this. That's my point is that this is not a public thing. It should not be a public matter. I don't want all of my grievances with my family and friends to be aired publicly, but that's what happens when you work in pro sports now. People, organizations go nuts over this kind of stuff, and so it's too easy to leak it. Yeah. Well, I respectfully uh, kind of halfway disagree with you, Amy, but uh, you're, you're, uh, I love your uh, takes on all this stuff, and uh, uh, pr- uh, great to talk with you. All right, good to talk to you too, Gary. Thank you so much. 855-212-4227. So I was going to get to the Brett Favre latest wrinkle there, but just didn't have time. But I still think that's a good discussion. Uh, Some of you finding me on Twitter, A-Law Radio, and and not just sending emojis. Tim says, why should Devontae not be charged? If a person did that on the street, they would be charged. Oh, I know, just because he's an NFL player, you think he's above the law. Oh, okay, Tim. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. Which, <laughs> oh my gosh, people make stuff up. Seriously, people make stuff up. <laughs> oh my gosh. What I said about Devontae is I wished it hadn't come to this. I wish that he could make it right with the photographer on his own because I I hate that it has to turn into this big thing where it now becomes a, a police report. So, uh, he is going to have to answer for what he did. And uh, I'm sorry if that's what you heard, Tim, because that's definitely not what I said. So, uh, we'll we'll just move on from that. And uh, I'm going to get to the Brett Favre at some point, too, because crazy that we finally hear from him. And what he says is, I mean, it's blatant lies if you look at any of the evidence that's out there. 855-212-4227 on Twitter, A-Law Radio, and then also on our Facebook page. We're glad to have you with us, After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Hurry back to throw, and it is. Is it tossed? Oh, my goodness, it's tossed. DeAndre Hopkins caught it. Back from under center, steps back, throws the fade. Cooper Cup's got it. Touchdown, L.A. Burrow back to throw, looking, firing deep for Chase in the end zone. He's got it! Touchdown! Joe Burrow and the Bengals! Mahomes fires for the end zone, caught! Touchdown, Kansas City! And off to Eckler again, no, Herbert keeps it, end zone, touchdown! Chargers! Herbert with his second of the day. Here's the snap, Josh going to keep it himself and run it again inside the five, into the end zone, touchdown Buffalo! Josh Allen, nine-yard touchdown run. The Bills respond and then some. It's time for QB News on After Hours. We had to break it up. AFC, NFC, because, of course, quarterbacks are, they're chatty. (laughs) They're forced to talk on Wednesday, heading into the next weekend on the schedule, which is week six, if you can believe it. Uh, And so, because of that, we always end up with a lot of extra quarterback sound and QB news on our Wednesday night show into a Thursday morning. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. We've got our Thursday night game, which... I hope is more entertaining than last Thursday night. So it was Colts Broncos last week. No touchdowns. It went into overtime. We got extra torture for free this week. It's the commanders who 
Their own coach says quarterback is the reason why they are the only losing team in the NFC East. The Commanders at the Chicago Bears. And, of course, Justin Fields trying to get adjusted to a new coach, a new system. But Matt Eberflus actually likes what he's seeing from his second-year QB. I just think he's getting comfortable in the offense. I don't think it was any one thing, one particular thing. I just think he's getting more comfortable. And I think the coaches are getting comfortable with him. You know, as you go through the process, I think it's, uh, you know, what, what guys are good at and uh, and really playing to his strengths. And I think that's uh, for any coach. You know, it, you, just, you feel more comfortable the more time you spend. So that's how we start off is Commanders and Bears on a Thursday. I'm believing big things for Commanders and Bears on a Thursday. <laughs> uh, the Justin Fields numbers are not the whole story, but right now pretty bleak. Uh, under 700 yards passing, three touchdowns. Um, the, there have been moments, there have been flashes where he has reeled off and fired a beautiful ball downfield. We know the Bears were able to rally against the Vikings last week and kind of push them to the limit, though they ended up losing that game. But when you have more interceptions than touchdowns, that's tough. And when uh, your offense is st- stop and start, hit or miss, it's it's also tough. Um I know football fans have no patience, but I hope there's a little more patience for Justin Fields because now in his second year, he's obviously had two different head coaches, two different offensive coordinators, two different quarterback coaches, two different systems. And I do think that there's a lot of potential there uh, because he's smart. He's athletic. He clearly has all the tools. Just got to give him more patience because the constant change equals constant losing. So you got Bears commanders. We've got Packers, Jets, careful, careful picking the Packers in the survivor pool right now. Packers had a a little bit of a blip when Aaron Rodgers indicated uh, that his thumb was giving him some issues. Uh, And so he was asked about that on Wednesday. Thumb's all right. Uh, It was nice to get a day off today, do a little rehab. Um, But, you know, I'll uh, try and get back out there at practice tomorrow and see how it feels and be fine by Sunday, I'm sure. Yes, lots of thumb issues early on in the NFL season. We'll get to Dak's thumb coming up. I don't believe it's any major cause for concern, uh, but always when it's Aaron Rodgers because he's the key to your success. Uh, Packers don't appear to be over uh, overly worried, but it was the final play against the Giants in London, um, it, a hit that he took that kept him out of practice on Wednesday. So far, all systems go for the upcoming weekend against New York. Now, he was asked, because he's got very lofty standards, a two-time, well, reigning two-time MVP, has he played up to the level that he sets, the expectations that he sets for himself? Well, I think I'm playing as well as uh, as well as I can at times. Uh, I expect that typical stretch coming up at some point where we, re- we get really hot. Hopefully it starts this week. But I think that's right around the corner. Packers trying to avoid their first three and three start in 10 years. And get this, Rodgers, though he is 3-0 in his career against the Jets, right now his QB rating, and it's a whole big formula, but his QB rating is the lowest through the first five games of a season that it's ever been in his career. And it obviously depends upon 
there's a lot of different receivers with him. Um, it certainly depends upon the offensive line and the run game. And at times, weirdly enough, the Packers have gone away from the run game. We're all out of whack. When it felt like they desperately needed to stick to, to the run game with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon first. But right now, that offense, it, well, it's about like the Buccaneers. It's jarring to see it so inconsistent. Maybe the Jets are the cure, but I don't know. They can get after quarterbacks. It's after hours here on CBS Sports it's just Radio. Not happen, man. <laughs> the Panthers have already made a head coaching change, and now they've lost their third quarterback. We're going into week six, and they've lost three of four quarterbacks Hello. that they had in preseason. No Sam Darnold, no Baker Mayfield, no Matt Corral, and now it's up to PJ Walker and Steve Wilkes, who takes over for Matt Rule. Coach Rule situation is a business, you know, it happened. And, uh, you know, a lot of us, a lot of us, you know, all love Matt Rule, Coach Rule, and you know, from now it's Coach Wilkes that's in charge. So, you know, we we get in line with Coach Wilkes and we we get things rolling from there. You know, uh, taking it one day at a time with him, uh, laying a foundation and just trying to get moving, trying to get going. It hurt to see him walk away, it hurt to see him go, but um, you just got to go out there and overcome it and just go out there and play play football. Still, at the end of the day, you know, the season ain't over, season ain't end. We still got what 12, 13 weeks left. So you got, you got to take care of business. It's all about execution. And when you really go back and evaluate uh, our first five games and where we are, uh, it's really a lack of execution in all three phases at some point in time. We played well enough to win games. Uh, we got to find a way to finish, and that starts with me. Steve Wilkes, if you remember, was the head coach in Arizona for one year. I feel like that was the year they drafted Josh Rosen. And he was not ready. Steve Wilkes was not ready. Neither one of them lasted more than one season in the desert. Yeah, here are the Carolina Panthers. And Steve Wilkes is in charge. At least he knows the the lay of the land. He's been in the NFL a long time. And they will take on the defending Super Bowl champion Rams. wonder if the Rams feel like this is a week where they really need to get their rears in gear. Sticking with the NFC, Taysom Hill. Offensive player of the week with his four touchdowns. He had three on the ground and he threw for another touchdown. This guy can do everything. There's been a lot of conversation, you know, uh, about me, but I feel like anytime you win awards like that, it's it's a collective group. And man, we rushed the ball for over 200 yards, and it's it's nothing that you guys aren't familiar with. You don't do that unless the guys up front um, play really well. So I look at that more as like a collective. Um, award and um, man the, the biggest thing is that we were able to get the win and and uh, we, we did yeah for Taysom Hill uh, of course he wants to be a full-time quarterback I mean, Andy Dalton has gotten the job where Jameis Winston has been out I know Jameis was back practicing not sure of his status for Sunday yet um, but I love the fact that even though this is not what Taysom wants even though it's not what he would hope for the fact is that he will do anything to help the team win and that I really appreciate about him he's a team guy first regardless of whether or not his dreams are being realized and whether or not he's getting an opportunity that he feels like is fair it's a big test for the Saints this weekend too, hosting the Cincinnati Bengals who are still below 500 similar to the Rams been a long time since we've had the two Super Bowl teams both below 500 
Told you we'd give you an update on Dallas quarterback Dak Prescott. There is video of him out there throwing the football, but is he ready to be able to play? Here's Mike McCarthy. I think we're still in the medical rehab you know, phase. And so once he clears this phase and then when he's fully activated, you know, then then I think we that's when we have our conversation. As you stand here right now, Cooper is starting Sunday against the Eagles. We're preparing for Cooper to start against the Eagles. <laughs> Don't you love how deliberate and precise that phrase is? We are preparing. Make sure you hear what he says. We are preparing for Cooper to start against the Eagles. That's a Sunday night game. And I know lots of people are excited about Bills and Chiefs, but... Cowboys-Eagles is always entertaining. It's down, it's dirty, and the two teams, 5-0 and and 4-1, and which is pretty sweet. But Dak did say he felt great after the light-throwing session yesterday. Uh, first one since he had that injured thumb or had the surgery in mid-September. Cowboys haven't lost since he went out. It's Cooper Clutch. No, there's no quarterback controversy, but even Jerry Jones will admit his expectations were never this high. All right, one more just because this is fun. Eli Manning, who I hope will be part of the Monday night broadcast. Uh, He and his brother Peyton, they're making the rounds. They're super popular. They're never going away. Uh, Monday night football, though, we're going to need them to provide extra entertainment because it's the Broncos against the Chargers. So an AFC West battle again. A lot of attention on nephew Arch Manning, who is Cooper's son, has committed to Texas. He's the great savior in waiting, and he's already breaking all kinds of high school records that his uncle set. He's already broken uh, all of our records uh, at Newman, so he might as well go on and and try to be the first one to, to, to win a state championship as well. And I think that's... Uh, you know, that's that's been his goal. And I'm proud of him, how he's handled this whole situation, how he's handled the recruitment and and being uh, being a quarterback there. He he loves his teammates. He loves playing high school football. He, he wanted to make a decision early on, on where to go to school so he can just concentrate uh, on, on you know, playing playing football and, and winning games for Newman and trying to get to a state championship. So he's playing great. Uh, you know, always root for him, and it, it's been fun streaming his games uh, in high school and getting to keep up with him. That's neat, right? You get to be a doting uncle, and it's okay if your nephew ends up breaking all the records. And honestly, he's far more mature and prepared for this process, like the recruiting process and deciding where he'll go to school because of what his uncles went through, because of who his, his uh, grandfather is and, and the fact that he's had the training from the time he was able to toddle. All right, that's your NFC QB news with Eli Manning thrown in for fun on CBS Sports HQ. What are the three emojis that you use the most? If you missed the whole business about why we're asking you the question, uh, we'll get back to it at some point, I'm sure. But on Twitter, A Law Radio, and then also on our Facebook page, Great to have you with us. <laughs> you are listening to the After Hours Podcast. You kind of get the, the feeling that over time it sinks in. I mean, I, I, I get that I'm about to be a member um, of this exclusive club, but it really hasn't sunk in yet. Um, and I think that that says a lot about the, the magnitude of what this is. Uh, 
It really shouldn't sink in right away. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Man, what a difference a few months makes. The fact that now I don't want to hear the voice of Brett Favre. He is a Hall of Famer, and we talked to Armando Salguero last week, who is a Pro Football Hall of Fame voter, and he essentially said they're instructed, not that it would have mattered when Favre was inducted, but they're instructed as voters not to consider anything that happened off the field unless it was in the locker room. You consider the impact and the contributions of the player on the field and in the locker room, but you do not consider what they may have gotten themselves into away from the field. And there's no possible way that Brett Favre is banned or removed from the Hall of Fame. That's not happening. However, the entire football community right now is treating him like he's kryptonite. Nobody wants anything to do with him for good reason. And for the first time in a long time, we just, I don't want to say we heard from him, but he finally released a statement. He finally gave his perspective, or at least the one that he wants us to buy, in the wake of what's been really damning evidence. A lot of it's still circumstantial, but text messages that seem to clearly link him to this welfare scandal in Mississippi, and the even though he's not been charged with anything, others who were part of this welfare scandal, which essentially was taking money from the welfare coffers, from the welfare pot, and using it for other projects, directing the money to places where it was never intended to go. So it's it was fraud, and some have already been implicated charged, even been convicted. So far, Brett has not been charged with anything. However, seems like there are some pretty damning ties, including his own text messages that would indicate he knew a lot more than he's been saying all along and that he actually was one of the major driving forces behind the welfare money going to fraudulent ends certainly southern mississippi the fact that it's his alma mater i mean even his own foundation if you look at the money was directing a lot of it to southern miss so there it seems to be an extensive track record but he's still denying any wrongdoing in the case it's after hours with amy lawrence on cbs sports radio his statement that was published all over the media earlier this week said this, quote, I have been unjustly smeared. I have done nothing wrong, and it is past time to set the record straight. No one ever told me, and I did not know, that funds designated for welfare recipients were going to the university or me. I tried to help my alma mater, University of Southern Mississippi, a public Mississippi State University, raise funds for a wellness center. My goal was and always will be to improve the athletic facilities at my university. So that's his statement. Again, he's not been charged with anything, but according to an audit that was done of the state of Mississippi, $77 million of this money that was supposed to go to needy families, and think about the last few years and how many families 
have been struggling to put food on the table, pay their rent, pay their bills, buy gas. $77 million diverted from poor people, people in need, underserved communities, to rich and powerful state residents. Six people have been arrested, five have pled guilty, but Favre at this point has not been charged. There is a civil lawsuit, though, filed by the state, and he is named in that. And there are records to indicate that his alma mater, Southern Miss, received millions of dollars transferred from the Department of Human Services to a nonprofit and then eventually to the USM Athletic Foundation. So he is still claiming he had no idea. Though there are text messages in which, and they can be traced back to his phone, in which he's asking about a volleyball facility and he's pushing for the funding for this volleyball facility because his daughter was on the team. He goes on to say, I was told that the legal work to ensure that these funds could be accepted by the university was done by state attorneys and state employees. The Mississippi auditor who did the investigation or did the audit of the records, he says, obviously, Mr. Favre knew that he was being paid in government funds based on the text. He knew that those funds were coming from the Department of Human Services. He's obviously acknowledged that he needed to repay those funds, too. Yeah, so there was over a million dollars paid to Favre for speeches that he never gave. He did pay back the money. The state still wants the interest. So there's a lot of tendrils here. But Favre is claiming innocence. And there are more and more people inside the NFL community who are willing to speak out, including Shannon Sharp. He's a proven liar, and he's lying again. And you see what they do, Skip? The moment they get caught, the first thing they blame, the media. Really? It was you that says, this is Brett Favre text to Nancy New. Mm-hmm. If you were to pay me there, if, if, they, if you were to pay me, is there any way the media can find out where this came from and how much? <laughs> Why you care? If the media found out, if everything's on the up and up, what you did... By the you, way, Nancy knew... Pled been, guilty. She pled She's guilty, but she was running the, the nonprofit the that handled these funds. These federal funds that they're, were meant for the state sports. They're called Temporary Assistance for Needy Families Funds. Needy families? Yeah, which Brett Favre is not a needy family. He's worth $100 million. In other words, he was reverse Robin Hood. Robin Hood robbed from the rich and gave to the poor. He robbed from the poor to give to the richest. He was robbing Hood. Yeah, Skip. Thank you, robbing Hood. <laughs> Skip. And he was like, and he tried to call it, I tried to get this wellness center. Bro, it was not a wellness center. You it, tried to get a volleyball arena built for your, your yeah. alma mater where your daughter was playing. Mm-hmm. That's what you tried to do. Because if it was for the state of Mississippi, you mean to tell me I could go down there and use it? So any of <laughs> I the, tried to claim you could. No, you couldn't stop it. <laughs> you know damn well. You're not, I, I can't go down there and use nothing from UCLA, USC, or any, Pepperdine, or anybody no. else, Skip. Stop that, no. Brett. No. And you think people are dumb. <laughs> That's Shannon Sharp, Hall of Fame tight end. And then his partner, Skip Bayless. I just would like you to know that that is the one and only time that Skip Bayless has ever in any form appeared on my radio show. But this is their show, Undisputed, from FS1. Mostly just wanted you to hear that there are members of the Hall of Fame and members of the football community who are now turning on Brett Favre publicly. Also, an attorney willing to weigh in about the possibility that Brett will face criminal charges. This is Jamal Murphy from SNY. Based on what we've heard, and we've only heard, I guess, rumors and innuendo, 
from various parties. Uh, it sounds like they would have enough to bring criminal charges, but the, the fact that they haven't uh, says something about you know what information is really out there, how strong the case would really be. I think we at this point, you just look at it in terms of they're not filing criminal charges, so maybe the case against him isn't that strong uh, you know, to make a criminal case. So I think, you know, as things stand right now, I couldn't, I wouldn't want to predict that they have enough uh, to eventually bring criminal charges, even though uh, the allegations are heinous. But, you know, at this point, obviously they don't have enough yet. So I think we have to, we kind of have to look at it from that perspective ourselves. Jamal Murphy, an attorney weighing in on the possibilities. And I agree with him. I'd thought this previously. Brett Favre is a big fish. He may be the most famous person ever to come out of Southern Mississippi and probably one of the most famous people who uh, famous pro athletes from the state of Mississippi. He's a Hall of Famer. If they had enough evidence to be able to charge him, they would have by now. There's no more protecting Brett Favre in the state of Mississippi. If the accusations are true, he was robbing money from the state. And he was doing it knowingly. So the state is not trying to protect him. If they had the evidence, if they had what they needed and they thought they could get a conviction, they would move forward. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio.